You're listening to Can I Help You with the Love Master himself, Craig Shoemaker. It's. some habits that we have as hosts and comics and performers. You have, hey, everybody. As soon as you walk on stage as a comedian, you say, how are you tonight? I always wanted to change that, so I have quite a few times. So anyway, welcome. That's another thing everybody says. How can I be different? Uh, what's up? No, done that before. Uh, hi, everybody. It is uh, Craig Shoemaker, and this is Dr. Craig Shoemaker. Can I help you? Today's guest, I have to have a guest, or maybe I could go solo one day if I'm in the mood. Today's guest is a person who probably doesn't need any help, but we'll find out. That will be discovered. That will be revealed. An old pal who says that I haven't seen him since 1994 when I was on his show, but I've named five times since that time that we have seen one another, including my performance, which apparently didn't make a mark. Michael Berger is here. We don't do intros here, Michael, with the traditional... I didn't look up your bio. I can say what I know. Why don't you start there, and then I can correct it as we go. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you this. I won't won't even look at you when I'm saying it, because I'm about to give you the accolades. I have done hundreds of television shows and radio shows. You are one of the top best talk show hosts I've ever seen in my life and certainly one of the best that I've ever been involved with or on the show of he had a show called Mike and Maddie let me just yeah let that wash over that that's a big compliment from somebody that a I respect (laughs) and you and I've been in this a long time and know what good hosts do and what we do we do so um, we're the the ones it's not uh, taken lightly yeah we're the ones who aren't an audience you know we're not about ratings but we're about connection and I remember having the connection with you from the moment I went on that show I was a real young comic just brand new to LA and I'm on your show which was very impressive big studio and well it was a fight to get anybody that I wanted on the show because the network felt our audiences housewives this is 1994 95 mm-hmm. 96 and yeah. you need to give them information that they can use throughout their day and i said well does that mean they don't want to laugh they said well i don't that's not as important crazy went, right yeah no people want to laugh it took a fight to mm-hmm. get jonathan winters on who was my and i he came on after a year of negotiating <laughs> with them and he did the box of hats and i did the carson thing mm-hmm. and it killed and i went yeah it's jonathan winters how in the world can they negate said, no. that and then comics well women don't want to laugh I said, what are you talking about everybody wants to laugh why are you saying women don't want to laugh in the morning no so the they want a, they want to iron <laughs> this is like that old school backwards <laughs> it was such a fight to get them to let me be me you hired a comic you hired somebody who you know will get better as this grows i'm working with a co-host there's a dynamic there but I said, you show interest in somebody and have some laughs and people will take the ride with you. Of course they will. And laughter is it truly, you know, cuts through the ironing or whatever they're doing. A lot of, you know, I mean, if you're going to go back old school 60s and how soap operas developed, you know, there was, there were, those were for housewives, those mm-hmm. traditional housewives that are at home. And people forget how difficult that job is, you know, to be at home all the time and doing the cleaning and doing the ironing. I'm, of course... 
I'm not being sexist now, but it's just it's a fact that that was the case, and that's what soap operas appealed to for their escapism. But why can't they escape with laughter? Why does it have Absolutely. to be drama? No, it was always it was that balance between getting the information out, which I certainly came to appreciate, especially you're doing cooking segments and you got to go slow enough so that you write the recipes down. But <laughs> right. along the way, you know, you certainly could have some fun with it. Yeah, back then did. they couldn't download the recipe. They had to get, no, get me they, a pen. They would write. I need a pen. Yeah. <laughs> so. I did my own recipe for something that I, it was just my go-to dish. And when it was <laughs> transcribed, they left out a cup of water. And I thought, when people downloaded this or wrote it down, thinking, what is he eating? Because this is awful. <laughs> and I finally looked at the recipe. I said, well, this is a little dry. It's missing the moisture you know <laughs> what was this burger cooking and, you know <laughs> so no, we got to double check what they put out we had uh, over 535 episodes we had no, of mike and maddie uh -huh, we wow. had about 360 recipes and somebody at the end as we got canceled compiled all that and to this day i have a a three ring notebook of every recipe we made I mean, celeb chefs. Why not? Why not put out the Mike and Maddie cookbook? Well, I don't know if I'd have rights to. But twenty-five but, years later, yeah, <laughs> is I, that what it was about twenty-five years ago? Well, right? Ninety-four, ninety-five, ninety-six. We premiered during the OJ trial. If that gives you a timestamp, oh, yeah. talk about getting visibility and then getting preempted. You know, just the luck of anybody in the business. You you try so hard to get the show, and then all these variables. Tell come people into what play. a preempt is. It's so funny because I've been preempted as well, and it's breaking news. Here comes a Bronco down the 405. And then what happens to your show? Well, it goes away. <laughs> it goes away. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? It goes away. You know, in fact, when they sold Mike and Maddie, it was a Disney-produced show that aired on the ABC network, and they wanted to put it in syndication. Then ABC saw the results of our focus group and testing mm -hmm. and put us on the air right away. They said we haven't seen a a show test this well since Oprah. So we went on the yeah. air immediately. I didn't even know my co-host. So we get on the air and get to know each other. But in some markets, the top 20 markets, in 10 of those, we were a half hour show. So we'd have to wrap the show in 30 and then kind of start again. Yeah. So you it just, it was landing this plane every week. And, every and building the plane while you're in the air. Mm -hmm. uh, and getting to know your co-host. Your co-pilot oh is someone gosh. you've never, you don't really know. You're, it's here's chemistry. The, uh, yeah, here's the audition process for, for those that love what happened before we got here. Uh, they had a woman under contract, Disney did. Her name is Andy Matheny, and they wanted to do a talk show with her. Name probably rings a bell. I do know her. So they were looking for a male co-host to hook up with and we'll do a late night show or something with her. Mm -hmm. I walk into this audition and it's every guy you and I know sitting there right. ready to go to commercial. We're all prepped, quaffed. I could guess ready. who that cast of characters was. Oh, of course, was. from Will Schreiner to you name it. Right. Right. We're all sitting yeah. there ready to go. I come in and this gal has the job. They're just looking to find a co-host. And it was one of those auditions where I couldn't miss and had her laughing so hard she started to snort through her nose. Mm -hmm. I got up and I've never said this since. It's the only time I left with this much hubris, tongue in cheek. I said, should I tell the other guys in the room it's over? <laughs> yeah, like right, we're done, right? right, right. As yeah. I'm driving home, because I don't live in LA, I'm an hour and a half mm -hmm. on the freeway, my agent calls and says, I don't know what happened in there, but they're letting her go, and they now want to develop the show with you. Oh, my God. So, this, is, this gal's going to hunt me down wow. and bury me. So now I had to find a co-host to work with. And it was the audition process. So now it's reversed. Exactly. You're the one that they're trying to come up with someone. We're to on have the Disney chemistry. lot, and we yeah. have these women come in whose agents would submit them. And I had cheerleaders, newscasters, actresses, mm -hmm. and as you know, the secret to any host is somebody who is authentic and real and is not trying to be a host. They just are somebody you would say, "I'd like to get to." I know I mean, that that's person. why they had. If people are listening now. 
Kelly would be a perfect example when sure. when uh, K- Kathy Lee Gifford left. Absolutely. They had to bring her in. Does she have chemistry? She came from the soap world. It's it, a they relationship. could come from anywhere. They certainly can. Yeah. But so many of the... No one goes to host school. They don't. Right. Although there are some tips you and I can give them, right? Sure, exactly. Maybe listening. We can help them. them. That's what we're here for. Well, we'll help I've, them become hosts. I've got plenty of ideas. But I was looking for this person that I'm going to spend my mornings with now. It's a relationship that develops. And Maddie comes in. She's the last one out of maybe 80 women that have come in over, I'd say, a month. Maddie sits down, and she's originally from Cuba, was on one of the last freedom flights out Mm. to America. And she tells the story of falling asleep on the plane and drooling and worried about how she looked. So I said again in Spanish, and she said the sentence in Spanish. And it was almost this reverse Lucy, Ricky, Mm Ardez thing. Yeah. And it was endlessly entertaining. At the end, they said, "You, you guys are quite a pair. And they made her an offer, made me an offer. And three months later, we shot a pilot. And three. It took that long. Well, literally putting a show together, you know, took three yeah. months. And then. But they committed to her. Did you get, I'm just curious, do you get paid during that process of the three months of waiting for a pilot? <laughs> no. Not only do you not get paid, I was doing audience warm up, sitcom warm up. Right. For the uninitiated, I'm the guy who stands there for the uh, five hours it takes to shoot 20 minutes and keep this audience entertained. Right. I was doing three shows at once. I was doing Mr. Belvedere, Cheers, Newhart. You name the show, I was the guy doing the dog and pony show. You and Ray Combs. Mm-hmm. Right. A couple of us out there. And Phil Selman. Stellar? Stellar, I mean, yeah. yeah. Ron Pearson does Ron it now. Ron Pearson does it now, yes. It's the greatest People don't gig in the world. It's a, it's oh, a, you know, instead of doing it's great, clubs. It, it's a great, cl- it's a, it's a great gig. Pays pretty well. Pays phenomenal. But it's exhausting. It's not like you do... So your one-hour set that you might do in stand-up, it well, is stretched it. over six hours. Well, comedians usually bomb at this because they... <laughs> because they're expecting... They, well, first of all, it's not about them. It's about the show. No, so exactly. whatever you do, your job is almost like a physician on call who jumps up the moment they stop taping and work the crowd. Yeah, and if how you, about being in the middle of a bit and they go, all right, we're ready now. Oh, <laughs> They well, have to stop the bit. For me, I, I liked that because I didn't right. think I had an act anyway. So stopping what? Right. right. But I'm just the, saying for stand-ups. It's, for stand-ups, it was terrible. Uh, yeah, it's an ego drop right there. It is. But, it, but for a host, I mean, I've, I've always wanted a host. I was the kid in class that if I thought the teacher was going the wrong direction, I would say, mm-hmm. I think you're losing them here. And I would jump in with another direction <laughs> to take this class. So for me, I love the improv. I love the hosting, which is really what a warm-up does. But back to my point, I was doing three a week. Disney made me an offer to host this morning network show, and it was less than the three warm-ups I was doing. <laughs> And so my agent took a pay cut to be on national television. My agent to says warm that, up for national says television. to ABC, he's making more doing warm up. And the response from ABC was, "We'll let him continue to do that." That <laughs> wow. So, okay. so I had to give up warm up. I was actually doing warm up on Roseanne. That was my last warm up, and left that show to go do a morning network show. Mm-hmm. Thought, well, that's quite a jump. But you and I are prepared for this, right? We're just yeah. hoping for this opportunity. And then this morning network show became a very blue-collar gig where you show up, you listen to people, you chat, and you're done. It's an hour. Right. We, we were live to tape. And it's just like any other job. Yeah, bring the lunch pail, show up. It, By the it, way, I got preempted one time on Rick D's. Mm-hmm. And the preempted thing that happened was a, a bus hijacking. Oh, boy. And it was two blocks from my home. Oh, I'm no. watching live. <laughs> and I'm literally yelling out the window, Somebody catch the guy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They're missing my spot. I had a great set on Rick D's. I couldn't wait to see it. 
And they're going, there's a bus hijacking on Doheny and 3rd. I'm going, that's where I live. <laughs> it was right out the window. So I was, uh, I was young. And I was also preempted by Obama uh, once on oh. The View. That so name th- rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. That, wasn't, that wasn't as bad. But still, I was uh, two really good performances. And people don't realize that. How precious that is. Yeah, right? how precious. And it's only because it's not an evergreen thing. You're not going to see reruns. Right. You do the show. It's done. I mean, they might have a summer where they, you know, for a week they're running reruns, but it's pretty rare, yeah, right? That's funny you say that because I quickly learned doing day in, day out television, five days a week, how ethereal it was and how it went away and you had to do the thing mm-hmm. all over again. Yeah. But one of the greatest preamps was doing a pilot for a show called Rhythm and Blues. And the lead of that was Richard Cabler. He was a comic impressionist. Ring a bell? Roger Cabler. Roger Cabler. Yeah. Even Unbelievable better. Unbelievable impressionist. So yeah. they build a show around him. Here's the premise of the, the show. show. Yeah. 1994. Yep. 95, three, right there. And it uh, was a all-black radio station, and Atlanta mm-hmm. hires this guy based on his little cassette. They right. think he's black. And he does and impressions. He's white. Right, exactly. And they show up and I wah, remember wah, wah. It. Yeah. But what people don't know is the night we shot that pilot mm-hmm. was the night of the LA riots. Oh, great. Perfect so timing. We did a he's five playing o- a black guy. We do a five o'clock and a seven o'clock. <laughs> five o'clock, the riots haven't started. And we do this first audience show and it's great. Between shows, when it's a meal break, all the monitors are hot and you're seeing LA's on fire. <laughs> hey, what, what's the what's the problem? Well, it's it's a it's a race riot here. <laughs> we've, we've made some mistakes. Now this next audience is coming in and that was the beginning of the end of that oh. show. How about shooting your whole life? You're working for your one shot. And that's what he did. And yeah. He, that night, his right career Right now he changes. does a, uh, do you know, he does a Robin Williams tribute. Oh, yes. You, you, we talked and we'll get to, uh, we'll get to talking about this. Uh, we're speaking today about, you know, you get to be seasoned. Let's call us seasoned. I agree. And we have to kind of recreate, rebrand. Because of what people, let oh. me, I, if I don't say this now, I'll forget it. Talking about getting older, I'm maybe 40 at this moment, and I'm in a meeting at the network, and the executive says, we know who you are, Michael, but here's the thing, which is never good when it's prefaced that <laughs> but way. But here's the thing. We're going to hire the person that looks like the person we want watching. And I said, well, I can be a lot of things, but I can't be a, a 19-year-old woman. You know, Whatever your demo you're going right. after, I've long left. So that's when you start thinking, how do we... How do what we do, we do that? Do? What do we innovate? How do we? I contemplated this. Be like the Cyrano de Bergerac because you can't buy experience that we have. You can't buy the timing. You can't buy the wisdom. There's, you, can't, you can't hire that at 22 years old. So what I'm saying is get the 22-year-old and I'm, oh. I'm in their ear. With an earpiece. Well, that doesn't work because I, I, auditioned, I auditioned for... I'm just kidding. Let's make a deal when they were bringing that back. And yeah. they said, we're going yeah. to give you an IFB. I must have seen... I saw you there in the, in the That's lobby. That's probably what it was, right? <laughs> I said, well, I don't need somebody in my ear telling me the egg is a dollar and where's your bobby pin? I don't... Mm-hmm. I said, well, that's that's what we need. I said, no, you need a host that can think on his feet. Right, but they're you not interested that, in right? that. Yeah. So you know they what were, I did to combat this is I took my son, who's a good-looking 20-year-old, put them on my lap and ventriloquism is really big. I said, I'll press your back when I want you to open your mouth. I'll say the words and put them over to you like a ventriloquist. So now he's going to appeal to the women who are going, I want the hot dummy. Mm-hmm. Fine. They're watching me. But, <laughs> but on a serious note, how yeah. did you from you and I having our moments in the sun where there was a point where they were sort of handing out talk shows and we had a 
So yeah. I had a, I had well, mine quite was, a few of them. Mine was, unfortunately, I made the choice of, I had my own show, and I left that to be on Magic Johnson's show. Oh, <laughs> well, I could have told you. That's a, that's a great a example of a great guest, but not a host. There are plenty of great guests out there that we yeah. would stay up and watch, but they didn't, they didn't transfer into great hosts. But I'd like to know how you got through that period in your life where you realized you were not going to get hired for the skill you had. What did, yeah. what did you, I mean, I know what you've done. I'm, for those listening, he's in a you know, 200,000 square foot retail space here that would rival we're building a, entertainment. We're building a studio. It's well, that's, beautiful we, that's what we want. We want a mini studio here. But how did you get to that? Well, it's always, you know, I, it, it's, it's a difficult question to answer because it's been a process. It's all about the process. And staying in the process and present to the process has been very important to always be able to be flexible, to not be stubborn and do things only my way. Because there's, there's some things that I've developed. Like I was the first one to do mailing lists. Oh, my God. You know, with a fan club, me and Engelbert Humperdinck. And, you know, I'm mailing out postcards. Mm-hmm. And I became popular from doing that. There was no social media then. Mm-hmm. So then I had to adapt because that went away, and then Dane Cook became me mm-hmm. in a much bigger way through MySpace. Mm-hmm. He did that, and then there's you know there's comics that do it. You know, Rob Delaney now has his own show because he was so great on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I missed those waves, but I was the first postcard wave. Wow. <laughs> so people would call me and say, "How did you do it? You're such a great yeah. marketer. You you have to have the act to back it up, though. You've got to have that." Was there somebody in your ear that said you should do this? Or did you just look at the landscape and say, hey, I the look, culture's shifted. I need to adapt. Exactly. And I always do that. I, I've never had the one in the ear. I wish I did. I wish I had more mentors out there. It's kind of the reason for the show, this show that I'm doing, this podcast, is, well, maybe I can mentor people. And sure. I do. It, my last guest was somebody I mentor. And even if it's not direct, they're calling me that. I don't really need the title. If you can help people kind of get to that space where they're, making their own decisions, where they're listening to their instincts and not other voices that mostly come from fear and doubt. You know, the other voices that people, they're projecting their own crap onto you. They're not after your best interest a lot of times. They they have limited thinking. They live in fear. All those things are never going to work. And those are, that's the basis of any decision that I make is getting rid of those Obstacles. But this sounds like a man who's on top of a mountain now looking at all of this wisdom <laughs> acquired. How did how did you get to that? And were there mistakes along the way where oh you just... Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Did you leave stand-up as part of this journey? Well, I did. I did. I tried retiring for nine months. But here's the part about that journey mm-hmm. that I hadn't prepared for. Stand-ups don't have a 401k. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have a family... I have to support the family. Halfway through, you're thinking, I didn't think this thing. I did not think this thing through. <laughs> not halfway through. I think it was the first, <laughs> like the, maybe two weeks I'm going, well, why this feels you... great. I have the pressure of getting on stage. Well, and what, I went. We're you to the point where I'm going to stop doing stand-up. Yeah, I, I, I literally stopped. I but had a retirement the, show and everything. Was it? Oh, okay. I mean, golfers get the yips and stop. Did you feel you couldn't be funny on stage no, and stop? No, nothing to do with that. It had so many other factors. But one of them was, and if you want me to get personal, I came to a point where this is this is the difficult thing. I, I bet you can relate to this. We have to be self-promoting because you can't advance 
Allegedly, this is what they tell you, and could be a fact, could be fiction. I, I really, I'm really over this being about me. Mm. And I'm in a business that I've built the business around making it about me. Mm-hmm. And that could have a lot of agendas to it. I wanted to get laid, wanted to get attention, wanted to work out mom stuff. Mm-hmm. All of those reasons were propelling me to continue to do what I do. And ironically or not ironically, why I do what I do well is because I've had the adversity that leads to the pain, that leads to the pressure to perform and all of that. All that's out now. Madly in love with my wife. Oh. Don't have those needs anymore. Oh, the attention. Mom will never come around. You, know, you were able to uh, deconstruct all of these issues yeah. in the career of stand-up. Yeah. And as this was now, as you were healing, did you think, yeah. oh, I, A, I won't be funny. B, what do I do since yeah. I can't vent what I believe I need to fix? Well, I came to a point where I said, like, let's say you and I hanging out right now, which we are. I get a kick out of this. As do I. I get more of a kick out of this than the performance anxiety of in front of thousands of people. So why can't this be my fix? Well, hold on there. Did you have anxiety performing? Oh, yeah. I had panic attacks. Oh, you're kidding. It was awful. But that's, but that's probably not the reason. It pro- maybe it's a yeah. factor. But that was from pressure and that was from a lot of things. Self-imposed. Exactly. And I learned how to manage through that as well, panic attacks. I, I figured that one out. But don't people think... What? Looking at Craig Shoemaker, killing it on stage. Never thinking that I'm having a panic attack. Yeah, I had this comes I, naturally. One of my best you. friends opened for me. Who's I that? Said, Did you know Paul Lyons? I, I, I've known him for years. I mean, I wouldn't say best friend, but we've known each other for years. I said, "Did you know I had a panic attack? Probably most of the show, hour and a half I do on stage." He had no idea. I didn't know that. I've seen your work. I, and, yeah. Well, you, I maybe didn't have one that night, but. The way to know if I'm having one is I grab the microphone stand uh, and I hold on to no it with dear kidding. life and no one knows I'm going through this. No one knows that I'm there. Do you remember Dick Sean? Sure. Do you remember how he died? died? on stage. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and his brother's going, he's really committing tonight because he wasn't moving. Wow, he's really committed. That's exactly right. Because he had a bit. It was, it was a, a it was stage a, manager. It was a Nixon bit. And he, he dropped, a, Nixon <laughs> becomes president and I drop dead. And he drops dead. And they're going, he's not moving. <laughs> and he literally dropped dead. And he dies. Dead. That son of a bitch ruined me because I'm on stage now going, Oh, you're thinking? I'm going to be Dick Sean. I'm going to die on stage. This is all... In my mind while I'm performing, I'm thinking of Dick frickin' Sean. I'm dying on stage and no one knew he was dying and no one even rescued him. This is the operating system running in your head at the same time you're delivering. Exactly. But I have such an operating system that can work on many levels at the same time that I got through it. So, and it's the same operating system that also exists in making these decisions in life is I have to say, okay, where are you gaining the wisdom from? You know, what, what have you learned from that? And that's what I came, I arrived at this place where I went, you know, this, this whole thing, this whole premise of, 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 you know, uh, even making people laugh became about them fulfilling needs Mm. for me. Mm. And now the reason I'm back in the business money, one of them, and I do it, you know, it's reversed. I truly get such a kick. Even if I'm on Facebook arguing with people, I get such a kick if I see one little glimpse of someone has a bit of transformation or a bit of enlightenment based on something that I might have juiced out of them. And most of them say, you arrogant prick, you know, who do you think you are and all that kind of stuff. But I ignore it because I know where they're coming from because I've been there. Hmm. 
But if, if, if I think, you know, even this podcast, wherever it is, just hanging out with you here, you know, seeing you after all these years, just hanging out, just two guys chatting, I get a rise out of this more than I do on the stage. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it kind of just switched. The intent switched. The motivation switched. The inspiration switched. It just went to this other place of being other-centered. Yeah, yeah. A couple years ago, I bought a new car, a nice car, a German car. Still had the sticker on it from the dealership. And I'm at a drive through Starbucks, and the car in front of me is the one that gets tack-stripped and T-boned and left on the side of the road because it, it shouldn't it, – it's, it's – a vehicle that's been hijacked it it didn't look safe <laughs> yeah there were kids jumping about it was an old smoking vehicle i'm behind this mm -hmm. car pulls away i pull up i get my grande latte and she says it's taken care of and i went oh am i the thousands customer today and she goes <laughs> no the car ahead of you paid for that what paid for it so now i try to catch up to this car that's mm -hmm. long gone here is a woman who looks in the rearview mirror she didn't see me. She, I didn't see her. We never made mm -hmm. contact. She didn't know me from Adam. She just thought, man, this is a nice thing to do. A little pay it forward moment. I've told this story. I tell it to my corporate audience. Mm -hmm. I'm, telling, I'm telling you that act of kindness uh, from a woman who could look in that mirror and think, well, he doesn't need a cup of coffee. He doesn't need it paid for. Wow. But she did. And I'm happy that, someone pays my toll. <laughs> right. Well, it's the same thing, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. But that, that pays it forward for me and the next person. I, I, this, so this now let me ask you this. Moments, let me ask yeah. you this. Did you then in turn learn from that and start no, paying forward? Am, and do you do uh, at random acts of kindness? I do. I do. I, you know, ideally you don't talk, you don't talk yeah, about Yeah, I know. It. <laughs> That's the yes, irony. I, I do, Craig. That's and the I'm irony. about ready to do another one now if you'd like to watch me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, no, here's the thing. Is like, so if we're uh, mm -hmm. letting people know these random acts of kindness happen, to be on the receiving end of it is one thing, but us telling them, the irony is we can't tell well, them because that's part of the random act of kindness. You, it's not random touched, if we're telling them we're doing it. You touched upon it earlier, the gratitude that we get from that. I, I feel lucky to be sucking in air day in, day out. So I, 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 that motivates me. It animates me. I'm such a firm believer in choice, the choice to be happy, yeah. all of this. Right. Um, and against the reality of people coming up to you and saying things that um, they've not thought through. I, I'm a Catholic, and I go to Sunday Mass, and I'm that's five or six years ago, and it's the moment where the priest says, turn and peace be with you, or mm -hmm. you know, spirit be with you. This woman sitting in front of me who looks like, it's an old reference here, but Mrs. Kravitz from Bewitched. <laughs> it's eight o'clock in the morning, a black dress with mm -hmm. pearls, dyed black hair, the husband with the broken spine sitting there. And she turns, and you're me, and she goes, uh, what happened to you? And then turned around and looked back. I said, excuse me? She goes, you used to have a show, what happened? And I'm looking at her going, what, what do you mean, what happened? What do you say? I'm, I'm fine. I got some rental property. I, I don't have time to explain demographics of not getting hired anymore versus my career. <laughs> but it was that moment where that's how they see you, right? I know. What is happened it? to you? I'm fine, but turn around. This is the big and moment. And by the way, I've, do I've done this. We've had that judgment about other people. And they could be oh. really happy. Like you just said, you have rental property. <laughs> I'm okay. You know, Jean-Claude Van Damme, for years, maybe he was a multimillionaire, mm -hmm. you know, doing uh, selling diamonds. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But you go, what happened to mm -hmm. him? Well, I would certainly never verbalize that to anybody. I, it's just it's impolite. I mean, you're in church, too. I mean, Jan Michael gosh. Vincent, whatever happened to him. What's <laughs> oh, boy. Is he alive? No, he's, he's passed. Is he really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to. I, yeah, I the mechanic and all those great movies. I used to uh, use him as a reference, but no one knows who he is anymore. One of my oh. jokes was um, 
my computer is a, a horrible computer. Jan Michael Vincent has more memory. Oh. That was my joke. <laughs> Isn't that funny how our... Wow, our, you gave me an O. Our, well, That's the worst thing you can do to no. a comic. No, no, it was the O, o of thinking, isn't that something? Because I was thinking of my act as well. <laughs> References we can't make anymore because the audience is... No. no idea. I was doing warm-up once and I this made... This is why our... you want to keep things current and in the now. One of the big, by the way, one of the big uh, things, and I think you do this as well, is comedy is about being present to the now. Mm-hmm. And so if you are, and if you're sharing your experience, no one can deny that. Mm-hmm. So if you have an experience, it's evergreen. Because it's an experience. But if it's an opinion about the now, it's it's different. Well, you were touching upon the the need to stay relevant and change. Our, our buddy Ross Schaefer's got the greatest line I've ever heard about change, and it's this. If you don't like change, you're probably going to hate extinction. <laughs> Which, whether it's your act or, or running a business. Yeah. He's he's another one. I want to have him on the show. He's, he's another he's one. He's a fan I, of yours, and he'll certainly do it. I've admired him for years. Isn't it funny how we have this mutual respect Ross, Will Schreiner, a lot of the people from the... I, I mean, I watched you on your first show, Will Schreiner. I watched him do his pilot in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Admired him from that moment forward. When you see talent, Chris Spencer, I did vibe with him, and I remember him being a great host. And you're say, I'm saying these names and not one person knows, you know... Unless they're from, unless they're older. Well, and you would get guests coming on in our show. You'd get the old school guests who would come and deliver. Oh, uh, yeah. Robert Wagner would come on in a suit and tie and say, "You're marvelous. You're just marvelous." You had things like that would just <laughs> tickle me to death. And you'd get a soap opera star, he or she, who had nothing to say, and uh, it, you could always count on that generation coming in and delivering. But, but they well, were your demographic. That's why they were booked on the show. Even well, though you know, they, to, but they you always, had to make up for them, right? Uh, yeah, they, they always fought to have a balance. So, you know, on one show, I would have, if you have a chance to get a morning talk show, do it, because it's just endlessly entertaining. And what you would learn, I remember one show, it was Tammy Lee Webb, Buns of Steel. She had a VHS of, you know, how to get your buns in shape. Uh, Low Fat Cheesecake and Jimmy Carter. That was all one show. I mean, you don't ask them the same questions. Oh, on met, Mike and Maddie, or the, was it the home and Sinatra? No, it just you know we were morning network ABC, so we had a nice budget. Did you say Sinatra was on your show? Yeah, I, it was a remote. I had to go to him. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? He was yeah. on your show. Where'd you go to Palm Springs? Yeah, it was Palm Springs. Yeah, that's where he mostly yeah. hung out. I had James Brown sit there and said the music industry is run by you know, drug cartels, and we thought that was oh my, the, the scoop we got, and then we later got replayed thinking, oh, we've made it to the big time because we said something controversial. Oh, and, and by right? the way, now that, that that would have blown up virally. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that isn't that There was the no truth? viral then. Well, and we never produced a show to go viral, which is what Letterman and Leno were saying at the end of their run going, I can't do a show and reverse engineer it to do a three-minute piece that gets right viral he said that's not he goes i got out at the right time both i'm sure you know him you certainly know him better than i do but that was their take going i mean i'm too old for this right yeah well leno does something smart he um he doesn't uh do his act you know he does the same act for years sure he does it corporately Mm -hmm. but it's not on film so no one's downloading it no one's seeing it on youtube for free that drives me nuts oh i saw you on youtube i go come to the live Mm -hmm. there's nothing like a live show true now did you do stand-up? Started started early, early on. <laughs> there was a comedy club in San Diego called The Boathouse, and it was when restaurants were turning themselves into comedy clubs. And Howard Trussman booked me. He used to book the left up. Oh, right? I know Howard, yeah. Here's how dumb I am. It was David Strassman, myself, and 
David Strassman was a great ventriloquist. And Mark McCollum. Oh, yeah. The guitar right. act. Great guy. You Star Search champion. That's right. Yeah. So I get down there early. I drive from Long Beach to San Diego. And it's, a, it's the comedian's condo. Mm -hmm. And I look at the layout, and there's a <laughs> master bedroom and two guest bedrooms. Which, by the way, people don't understand that are listening. You have no what idea what a, what a comedy condo is like. Mm. Where oh, you are. Yeah, coming ooh, in after. Oh, after Robin Williams just haired the whole bed up. <laughs> Did he leave his sweater? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I walk in there, and I've got, I drop my stuff, and I think, well, that's a nice room. And I take the master. And yeah. Mark McCullum, to his credit, comes in, you know, last minute, and he goes, by the way, you're in the other room. Because there's a hierarchy of... Of course there is. He I was the headliner. I didn't know that. You so, didn't know that? You just go, I'm here just, first. Uh, yeah. First come, first serve. Well, I get yeah. the I get my own master bath. Ah, uh, has your own sink. This is nice. And the headliner gets the cot. Little level or blinds that aren't bent. It was nice. <laughs> Well, that's after, rare, by the soon way. Soon after that, I get spotted, and somebody says, hey, you should do cruise ships. And I went, yeah, make that happen. So I started doing stand-up on ships. I bypassed the club circuit completely. And what cruise ships did for me was gave me this professional audience. It gave me a show band. It gave me opening acts. You had dancers, and you had mm -hmm. jugglers, and then now here's its star time in the Rendezvous Lounge, Michael Berger. What that led to, doing stand-up on ships, I think for me, was uh, the the fertile ground of learning how to tell a joke, but also keeping this audience that doesn't go away because you're no. going to see them at light at the buffet. How, how to work this crowd, and and for me, it was less about stand up and more about the fun of kind of working the ship and connecting with people in a in a well, different way than you're obviously walking this, down the street. No, it's and it's going to my point, and it's what started my career. I had finished my stand up act, and it's a three day. Ensenada back run. And the cruise director says to me, he goes, look, um, he goes, I got some things to do. And this was the 80s, so he meant that as a verb. Mm. He said, would you mind hosting the passenger talent show for me? I guess I want to get out of that. And I said, yeah, what do I do? He says, well, you know, they sign up during the yeah. day and then you turn them loose. And I said, fine. So it's midnight. It's coming back from Ensenada. It's a thousand people, a couple of pops in them, and someone oh, gets yeah. up and thinks they can sing the theme Star is Born. A lot of chicklets. They bought a lot of chicklets when they were. My whole Ensenada act is gone because I haven't done ships in 20 years. But <laughs> God, that used to kill. And um, I get up and have this first guest and a little chat back and forth. And I'm, I'm having more fun and I'm getting mm. much bigger laughs than my stand-up. And thinking, forgive the uh, Oprah lift, but this is my aha moment going, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I can think on my feet. So I go out and I put $2,500 on my credit card, which I didn't have. That's a lot back then. Uh huh. And I buy that two-piece video system, and I drag it on the ship, and I set it on a tripod in the back on a lockdown shot, and I MC and tape every passenger talent show that I'm on. I do the stand-up, and I ask, can I MC the You're talent show? You're basically making yourself an audition tape. That's right. Because right. I was doing warm-up. back then. I'm doing warm-up on a show called Dance Fever with Adrian Zemed. Oh, I remember that show. And Mary Steck, the cue card gal, goes, NBC is doing a game show, and they want someone unknown and someone fresh. I said, that's me. That's my resume. I'm unknown. I couldn't be further from show business. I'm on a boat in Ensenada. Right. She goes, do you have a tape? I said, of course I got a tape. I got no tape. So I go out and put the money on the card. I bring this equipment on the ship. I lock it down and it's 10 passengers and it's that two, three, four, five minutes in front of each. And I had everything. I had an 85-year-old woman tap dance to the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> you don't get in the way of that. You let it go, right? Let it go. I have a guy grab the mic out of my hand and says, you must be saying something very funny, but I don't get it. Huge laugh. 
And I'm thinking, <laughs> I can get so many laughs by just yeah. reacting. So my first demo tape is six minutes of nothing but these short interviews prior to turning loose. Now I'm sitting at Reg Grundy, the big game show people, right? Mm -hmm. And my demo tape had just been played. And he goes, do you know why you're sitting here? And I said, yeah, Mary Stack recommended. He goes, no. He said, the moment that guy grabbed the mic and said, you must be saying something very funny, and you didn't come over the top with one more, right. is why you're sitting here. He wow. said, you know, in that game show world, you know, it's all fun and game in the front half, back half, bonus round. Mm -hmm. This is life changing for them. You can't forget that. And you got to realize yeah. it's Johnny Carson had the best line about hosting. He said, uh, I never try to be the best guest on my own show. Mm. That's profound. Yeah. I think that applies to life. I'm going through shows. that right now. <laughs> In this moment? Oh, in this moment, in yeah. This oh, yeah. What, what do I need? What am I here for? No. <laughs> well, you, we fight I, that, don't I, we? I've, don't of we? course. Because I've we have a line it, in our head? I fight it all the time. I so actually, let me finish my story. Okay, go ahead. That's funny. So I get the Oh, pilot. there really is a finish? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. So I, I, I get this. They hire me for this pilot at NBC. I'm literally fresh off the boat. I have no experience. I get hired to do a pilot. Pilot's called Matchmates. It's a puzzle board game, and oh, we're that, shooting. Yeah. <laughs> we're shooting at NBC. I'm six spots down from Carson, and I walk into the studio. We shoot the show. It's over. Brian Franz, Jake Talbert say to Reg Grundy, "Congrats! Looks like you have another show on the air." At the time, they had Sale of Century and Scrabble. And I'm thinking, what is this? Nothing to this showbiz thing. Yeah. We finish early. I walk ten feet across the hall to watch Carson finish up his show, because we taped. I sat next to Gregory Peck in the back, because uh, he was the next guest mm -hmm. coming up. Hello, Michael. You know, Welcome, Gregory it. Peck. Hello. Yes, hello. I'm thinking, this Gregory is it. Peck. And I'm thinking, I've now made it. Well, about four weeks later, we get the word that we're not getting picked up. Mm -hmm. They put reruns of Family Ties on instead at 9 a.m. on NBC, and the reality of television now has sunk in that, oh, you don't, become famous or get your first job and and there is no making it because even if you are at the pinnacle of success mm -hmm. how long are you there There's a way yeah how long are you there i mean there are people that grew up in the 90s and say, oh my god mike and maddie mm -hmm. this guy is at the top of the heap mm -hmm. he's on a network mm -hmm. show and now he's doing craig shoemaker's podcast <laughs> Well, imagine how I feel. In Craig Shoemaker's right. office. Well, they don't know how massive this empire is. Well, well, yeah, but uh, but you're but leaving it, though. You're just, you're just a visitor to hang to a picture. Is that asking too much? I know. I'm, I'm not the best decorator in the world. But you're right. It, it, it's it's temporal, and it, uh, it, it goes away. It, it is. And, and, and uh, I the think, moment you take it seriously. And you know some of these celebrities, by the way, and you can agree with me. Some of the most insecure people oh. ever. Please. And you know how people say... You know, they have fantasies about sleeping with different you know, actresses and models, right? Yeah. Most people don't realize that actress will sleep with you. Oh. <laughs> well, and then they're some of the Be most Because they're so disturbed They're people, so disturbed sure. and so insecure. If you have the right line into her, you know. Or I mean, him. Or him. Yeah. Exactly. Well, how about They're Paul so insecure. This is why a lot of actors marry other actors because they're trying to help one another out, right. even career-wise, and it's just... Or it, they see the dysfunction and realize, right. although it's not perfect, at least I can control this mm -hmm. dysfunction and thereby get your power back. Right. Uh, but speaking of insecurities, if, if it's okay for Paul McCartney, then I think it's okay for me. A month ago, he's being interviewed on 60 Minutes, and at the end, 
Alfonsi, I believe her name is, the interviewer says, hey, what's something about you that someone might mm-hmm. not know? And he goes, um, you know, <laughs> he goes, that, uh, that I'm insecure, that I haven't got it yeah. figured out yet. She goes, wow. hold on. You know, right. you're Paul McCartney. He goes, yeah, but he says, I still think I'm not good enough. I still think mm-hmm. I need to prove more. And her tag, which was brilliant, goes, so there you go. Paul McCartney, who just won't let it be, which is funny is how they ended the piece. <laughs> but even Paul says, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I haven't got this figured out. I think that it's great that he does that. I, I admire him so much, not obviously for his body of work, but I've seen that humility mm-hmm. and I've watched him on. He's self-deprecating. I, you know, he did. I love carpool karaoke. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Sure. Oh, that oh, piece. James Corden. It is. And he's really talented. And by the way, when he first got the job, I'm going, yeah. who's this guy? I know. Yeah, and why are they giving Felt it to him? the same way. I also feel that way about all of the English that have taken I over. I feel about all of the hosts that have jobs that I should have. I feel that way. Well, sometimes, I, <laughs> how about America's Got Talent that they don't have one American judging who the talent is? None of, you know, none of the judges are American. Yeah. You realize that? Well, hey, I was on Star Search and I lost being judged by four career, four celebs going nowhere in their career judging my career. Do you remember your judges? Um, yeah, Iman. Iman gave me a three instead of a four, and that's how I lost. That's all I remember. Iman, the model. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then many years later, she was on my talk show, and I said, "By the way, you gave me a three <laughs> instead of a four. She goes, "No, I wasn't on the show." And I went, "Okay." You were on Star Search as a comic. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, um, who were the other judges? Come I mean, you have to know them off the top of your head. I think head. the only thing that stays in my head is the fact that I got a. A three from Iman. And then the rest of them gave you four. And Bob Duback is the guy who beat me, the comedian Bob Duback. Did he do the... Um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I blocked it. I don't know. This how is are 19, you blocking 1988. this stuff? 1988. I've moved on, Craig. That's when my, uh, that's when my memory wheelhouse. Well, and tell, that's, Ask me what I had yesterday for dinner. I will not be able to tell you, but... But that's when I'm looking at guys like you going, God, I wish I could be Craig Schumer. We can be that funny. I wish I had that kind of act, you know. Well... You know, it's really great to have the act and everything else. But uh, then again, people aren't coming out to see. They want to see the three-minute act on YouTube. Oh. There's these YouTube stars. And, you know, mm-hmm. listen, here's the here's you never want to sound like the cranky old uh-huh. man. And yet we're cranky old men sometimes. Yeah. And we do have the judgment because we say, where's the talent in this? And as long as it doesn't paralyze this, if we sit and whine with a blanket on our legs saying, wheel me into the light, this guy doesn't deserve a shot, that's one thing. The fact yeah. having perspective and awareness is fine. Well, and we do, and we do, and we, do. and we are willing to grow and willing to admit you know, our faults and willing to say— Create something for yourself because you're not going to get it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Create something or have my son be my ventriloquist dummy, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Well, I, he's going to need some therapy, the, I think, down the line. You don't think he's been? <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> Half of his life has been begging me not to post things on social oh. network. <laughs> did it take you a while, maybe not you, but it certainly did me, to come around to the social media posting? I, I, it felt like homework. I of didn't course, want to do that. Of course, and it is homework, and it's really difficult. Plus, I have big thumbs, so I, mm-hmm. I spent half of my life going back over mm-hmm. and spell checks <laughs> and stuff. And, and by the way, sometimes I just let it go. Mention spell check because... It, this was news to me when we when I walked in an hour ago, and I didn't know you had any deficit other than just being, uh, you know, uh, I don't, is there a deficit? I don't think you have one. And then you tell me that no, you're full of. Uh, oh, well, yeah. Well, and give and, me the. And by the way, it's getting labeled more every day. Which is, 
Asperger's. I apparently have Asperger's, which d- is defined as what? Well, there's a lot of things that I, on a the lot spectrum. of yeah on the spectrum, and one of them is I have no filter, and I'm working on having my filter now. Although, no, but tell me what not... you said when you, you you see a script or you see something written oh, down. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm a and I they hated me in the writers' room because I'm sitting there. I'm going. There's a comma splice, <laughs> spacing issue, spelling. And then when I do that, when I have my Mean, art, Meaning it's wrong, punctuation's off. You spot that as I if I spot it's... it as if I'm beautiful mind. It comes up like a billboard, and I can't even move on. And in the writer's room, they're going, shut up, we're moving on. You know, and grammar are you, issue. Are you correct with the grammar? Oh, are you a time. terrific speller? Do you? Oh yeah, yeah. I was a spelling bee champion. But I mean, this I see these things, mm-hmm. and they appear to me as if I can't move on. I can't move on. I'm paralyzed by it. Even when I'm having my little arguments on Facebook or trying to inspire people to think in a different way than is being presented to them daily, and that's their daily diet. I keep saying, no, try to look inside of yourself for these answers and don't even then i'll go i'll I'll notice that some of i I don't want to call them ignorant but they are the ignorant have much more difficulty with the word your oh you are apostrophe oh my god i go out of my mind and then i correct them and that makes me look worse because you arrogant prick look at you you're you know who do you think you are and and now we're off and running on that yeah now we're off and running that i'm going oh geez the greatest line I ever heard about challenging someone's point of view came from the executive that produced our show, Mary Kellogg. Mary ran our show. She also discovered Regis and Kathy Lee, put that show on the map, worked wow. directly with Michael Eisner. Mm-hmm. I heard her say something that I've never forgotten, and it's the line I use whenever I want to make you prove your point, something I disagree with. Now, oh, I'll give, give me you what the I'm line. going right on Facebook after this, this. This is the greatest line I've ever heard. I've used it in my corporate talks. So say something to me that I you wouldn't know whether I disagree with it or not, but I'll give you my response. So say something that... Trump, give me the, a, Trump is the greatest president we've ever had. Okay, here's what I need you to do. Make me smarter on that. Make me smarter on that. Why? Oh, that's your line. When you say to someone, make me smarter on that, it's not confrontational. Right. It honors them. You're saying with all humility, what do I know? I don't know. But yeah. it's quietly, powerfully saying, Okay, now let me let, let's point. take this down the run because I can play them easily. He's the greatest president ever because he he he, he does what he says he's gonna do. Well, we could spend a lot of time talking <laughs> about the deficit or the positive upside of anybody in office. But I I don't want to dwell on the fact other than I want listeners to use that line in any situation. It doesn't That's make me smarter because it just lifts the onus you off you. know what's going to happen, Michael? They're going to go, you heard that from Michael Berger. That's, that's not original. <laughs> oh, you beat from you if you post it? Oh, oh yeah. If I, po- if I use that, I'm going to use it right away. I'm gonna, it, and I, you're going to say you heard it where? I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know where. <laughs> Do I have to footnote you? Well, clearly you have a guilty conscience already because you <laughs> planned on doing it, and now you're saying I, you know what they're going to say. I can't I, exactly now. I know what they're going to say if they what listen is to this the whole podcast. Other, gonna... Can I help you? Other centered nonsense, and you're lifting material <laughs> eight seconds after That's I leave Damascus. That's what I'm Damascus. saying. But if I get permission, then I'm not lifting it. Who gave you permission? Oh, I asked you for permission, so I can't use this. You're the one that told me you need to use hey, this line, didn't if, you? If I'm that's gonna have to, what you 
I'm gonna have if to that listen gets to this. You through the night, sure. I'm gonna have to listen to this now and see if you actually told me nothing, I can use this. Nothing would make me happier than you using that and not giving me. Credit. I'll rephrase it then. I'm not moving forward with my life based on your approval. How about this? I'm gonna rephrase. It. I'm gonna make it educate me, please. Yeah, that worked. That's a little sarcastic, isn't it? It does. That's a little. Yeah, yours is softer, isn't it? Make me smarter. I just yeah, need. I, I need. Sometimes I need new techniques because mm-hmm. when I go at it with people, mm-hmm. I mean, my intention really is to offer them ideas that aren't in the common paradigm that they're not being bombarded with and isn't paid for. Well, no, see, this is how you and I are different. I, yeah. I wouldn't bother with that. Why do you do that? Great question, and people ask me that all the time. I, there's a few different reasons. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Here's the biggest reason. I used to be of this ilk. Of, Which ilk? Let's just call it the... <clears throat> Slave to the patriarchs of that ilk, uh, defending billionaires, defending government people, you know, politicians, defending authorities. I would be, when I saw the bumper sticker when I was a kid, question authority, Uh it infuriated Mm -hmm. me. Of course you, what do you mean? Because they dominated my psyche and that's what they do. So my, because I'm free of that, I always say to myself, I'd be a jackass if I didn't at least share some of the keys to freedom from that, of which I believe people are locked into that. It's a cult. It's a cult, and it's existed for centuries. But you've taken it upon yourself then to brand or to move this message out? You, you want, why are you doing it? Because if it helps one person, then I feel really great. You've released them maybe from that. I can tell uh, you who released me by accident. Who's that? Rosie O'Donnell. Said what to you? I was walking in a voting booth. She asked me who I was voting for, and she gave me a whole other perspective that day, that moment. It was like that. It was like a switch went off in me because it came from a different perspective. It came from a woman, happened to be a lesbian woman. (coughs) Excuse me. Somebody I toured with, I respected. (laughs) Go, you talk. Um, I don't edit, by the way. I don't edit, by the way. I don't edit. They're going to have to listen to that cough. No, but they don't so, see what I see, which is you're turning like a shade of blue. Yeah, I know. We've got about eight minutes for it. So, you, you do a whole so, dick show on it, and I wind up <laughs> in your studio and hang some pictures. I'm and not having on. a panic attack. I wouldn't mind dying right now with you <laughs> on my putting green in my office. Oh, that's true. And an exercise ball. It's true. <laughs> it's a very nice place. You should Next come by. Can Emmys. people come by and see the place, or is it it's off limits to most? No, people can come by. Okay. It's a nonprofit studio we have here, too. It's uh, laughterheels.org. Yeah, sure. They come by and okay. hang out here and do a little laughter like we're doing. But I remember that moment, and since it's, it's such a significant moment, I've had several, by the way, since then. But why would I not at least tell people I was a part of the prison system, basically. You're in a prison. They give you your information. News is sponsored 24-7 by corporations, so you're only getting their version of things. People call it liberal media. Not true. That's something else. We just accept. We mindlessly accept these things. So I kind of basically say, hey, folks, being mindful has really worked for me. But Whether you want it or you don't. Do, do you take it personally when you can't shift someone's no, point of view? No, I you totally get it. You don't get a heated argument on Facebook and, and it kind of bums I, you out? I, I, 
I, no, no, because I know where they're coming from. I, I believe that they're So you take pain. your shot and then move on, huh? I, you don't uh, dwell no, on I, it? No, I know. I'm a dweller because, <laughs> because I have Asperger's. <laughs> oh, no, I don't give up. And then sometimes, I must admit, I tease the animals. Mm. Like, I can predict what they're going to say, so I'll go on private message and play a game mm. with a friend of mine who's like-minded. Like that's a lot of energy, isn't it? When yeah, you've got so terrible. many other things to do? It's I, exactly. My, my, my kids... They go, Dad, Dad come back. They'll enough. say, come back, yeah, because yeah. they see that I go away. I just have a, I, you know, that's part of who I am. I have a rescue gene in me. Mm -hmm. I've, I've done that for the rest, you know, I'll, you'll love this. I, my mom was very unhappy. and With you? Well, yes. But uh, she, I would try to fix her up with guys all the time. Oh. And I think I ruined quite a few dates. I go, hey, you're going to marry my mom? <laughs> <laughs> and you get the day. door shut. Oh yeah, yeah, not good. And I wrote letters to Paul Lynn and Tim McCarver, the catcher of the Phillies. Said, you mean to fix your oh, mom yeah. up with? Yeah, I said you'll unconfirm as a bachelor if you meet my mother. And I really believed in her and would pitch her to people. And because her marriage had fallen apart, and her well, her I I never my dad left when I was born, so oh. basically you know I never lived with him, and I wanted her to have a man, and to make her happy. And then one was the gym teacher. And I was so happy. I've never told this story oh before. I was, Mr. McCreary, I was so thrilled. He's, I got tickets. I won tickets or I was a safety patrol or whatever. How old are you at this point? To go point? see the, and this, I was a little older at the time. I was um, 12. And, and I loved Mr. McCreary. He's the gym teacher. Everybody, you know, kind of tough guy, but I kind of liked his toughness. Father would, figure there? Yeah, he would like kick people in the ass, like. Literally. Oh, we got hit back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he would he'd go, hey, what's up there? And he would take his foot and mm -hmm. <laughs> kick you in the ass. I kind of liked it, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean? And it was giving me a, the attention I never got from a guy, you know, from a father yeah. figure. Whatever the case was, I had all these tickets. And I said, Mr. McCreary, would you mind taking us to the game, to the Phillies? He said, hey, sure. He agrees to do it. And he has a station wagon. So I get in there with my friends and my mom. And Mr. McCreary. Does he know your mom's going to take this trip? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I think that's why he did it. Mm -hmm. So I'm so excited. They sat in different seats. We had f four of us and two of them. Is a veteran stadium. We're watching the Phillies. I was in there. They're, oh, you're your old ladies with Mr. McCreary. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Mr. McCreary never told us, and she loved him. She loves Irish people. He's married. Oh, he no. never told us this. You didn't know. <laughs> no, and so he's with my mom, and they're hanging out, and they're laughing, and. I was so thrilled. You had built this family yeah, now. I had built, I was imagining Mr. McCreary was going to be my dad. And I had so many of these imaginations when I was a kid. And when I, so I still live in fantasy land what, did, on people having these. Well, let me ask you, did your yeah. mom ever get remarried? Did you ever fix her up with someone? Uh, none of my fix-ups. Okay. No, she married a really bad guy, oh. actually. Yeah, yeah, really bad guy. And then that, that ended and didn't end well and. Is your mom still with us? She, yeah, she is. Uh, she, but she doesn't speak to me, my mom, you know, and, uh, you know, for years. And uh, that's a whole other that's world. That's unresolved. Yeah, of course it is. But um, she, uh, she is now married to someone else. Yeah. That you didn't find for her. No, 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 no. I gave up on that. But I haven't given up on people. You were asking me why mm -hmm. I do it. Because I'm actually... Once in a while, someone will say, you know, years ago you said something mm. to me. And it's nothing I ever remember saying to them. You know, years ago I heard you on this. Or years ago this is what you did for me. Or years ago uh, 
We were in real pain because we had just mm -hmm. had a death in the family. We watched your show. And those are the moments that are much more golden than the Emmy Awards or the award. Those are the moments that I remember. They're significant. A lot of people preface it by saying, you probably don't want to hear this. You probably hear this all the time. I go, no, 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 no. Yeah. Of course. If there's something that I have added a light to your life, which is what these Facebook you know, posts are about or comments are about. By the way, I haven't even looked today. I did a controversial one today. Mm. Controversial. A controversial one, yeah. Controversial is the word. It's not controversial. Oh, wow. I, I thought you corrected. would get that as an Asperger. That's awesome. Yeah. What did, how did I pronounce it? Controversial. Did I say controversial? It's just controversial. Yeah. And what did I say? Controversial. I, gonna, I cannot wait to replay that. There's a couple things we have to fact check. Wow. How about the word T-O-U-R-N-A-M-E-N-T? Torment? What? No, no. Like I'm in a golf tournament or tournament. Okay. Oh, I love the way you corrected yourself. So which are you going with? Michael Berger? What is the answer? It's a... Well, now it's tournament because of the setup. But I would say tournament. Exactly. So then I would be correcting you. And saying? That's one. It's tournament. Yeah. Because Springsteen does it go on tour. What is, Come on, dudes. We're going on tour. One, two, three, fur. <laughs> I didn't play the golf curse last week. But played want, on a course. Do you want somebody that precise and antiseptic and without... Uh, without um, some sort of humanity there where it all has to be scripted perfectly? Would you correct somebody? Yes, yeah, controversial. <laughs> Try to loop it back. And I That's, my point. Yeah. That's my point. Let me just sure, see. Some, I'm just going to check something No, check here. your phone. I, let I me want, check I, my phone. No, no, I'm not going to check my phone. I I'm want to see check if my Jan curiosity. Michael Vincent is dead. Hold on. My curiosity. I want to see if they really, really went hey, after Hey, sir, this. is Jan Michael Vincent dead? Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jen Michael Vincent is Oh, I not got him dead. going. Oh, he's not dead. I'm sorry. I got, <laughs> sorry, Jan. I got him going on you Facebook. Got your Facebook lit? Let, let me see. Let me see how many comments there are. I, I guarantee they're going to go crazy. Here's what it says. Trump's followers are like death row inmates thinking the electric chair would make a nice piece of furniture. Oh. <laughs> dead people walking. Please don't mindlessly believe the warden. Truth shall set you free. And if he told the truth, it would be by accident. 22 comments, I will guarantee. Oh, here we go. Oh, there he goes. Got a winner? This is this is the guy. He I keep going to his wall because what he does is he just repeats what he's told by the mm -hmm. patriarchs. So he he has his information here. Infant, he talks about abortions, jihad, 90% <laughs> open borders. So they instruct. So what I'm trying to tell people is, we're deifying this guy. No matter who he is, this is the most deified I've ever seen in my life, where there's thinking a guy that's completely unqualified. He's unqualified. I mean, for him to be making judicial decisions and decisions on military and border walls, no, I, I want to listen to the experts. And this guy's saying, nope, no, we're going to you know, cancel out the experts. So all I'm saying to people is, can we be mindful about this instead of just following but do you think you and that's the preface? You're, you're hoping Can I to fix them? flip Can I? someone somehow, right? Or well, you just want the conversation to be out there? Yeah, okay. yeah. In a different way, we're not insulting people. Mm -hmm. Where we can hold on to our values. Because one of the things I keep coming from is like, really, does he share your values? And are you just going with party and patriarchs because? Pulling the line? Yeah, I mean, 
I, I, I'll say to them, these are facts. I'm not making fake news when he does this, this, and this. But everybody will real, make a case. Real easy. To, well, what they do is they deflect, which he wants them to do. That's all patriarchs do. He'll deflect it over to, what about Hillary? What about Obama? You know I mean? That's what they do. Or these people, they'll go, what about abortion? See, this gives me a headache. I wouldn't do that. I couldn't go to someone's wall and post and play and then a private message. Are we not Facebook friends? You'll get a big kick out of this. No, I, I unfriended you a while ago. Oh, my God. Michael Berger. I can't. No, I, I, it's too much of my day to focus on any of that. I, I've got other things to that would be more fun to do than to chase anybody's opinion on Facebook. Yeah. I didn't even want to post. I, I wrote a book, and they said, you got to have some sort of social media footprint. Right. What was the oh, name of okay. your book? Well, I got two. I got one's called Absolutely Necessary, and mm -hmm. it's ways to keep yourself in demand. And mm -hmm. I wrote that with Ross Schaefer. When I started doing the corporate speaking circuit, And he does that as well, and oh, he's a former host as well, Match Game and a number of He's done that talk at an shows. extreme level. He's yeah. very successful. But he said to me, he reached out to me about five or six years ago and goes, you've got free time, right? Mm -hmm. I said, I sure do, Ross. He says, well, you should do what I do. He said, speaking to these corporate audiences, you've got stand-up background. Mm -hmm. A lot of these audiences I do it too. I, I know you do. Yeah. I don't they do don't, it at your level, though. Well, they don't see the funny coming, and you and I both know. I had a guy say to me, he says, you sure you can keep this room for an hour and a half? And I said, I kept Mr. Belvedere's audience hot for five <laughs> and a half hours from King Junior High. He said, yeah, I can keep them going. So they don't expect the funny, and I built that sense of humor along with these um, these messages and these uh, a company will hire me and we'll have a conference call and figure out what keeps them up at night and then try to fix that. But Ross said to do that, you, they actually shy away from the television personality because they've been burned so many times having Mario Lopez come in and speak to them. It, mm -hmm. He doesn't have yeah. the background. So he said you really need to prove that you can do this and I, I got my real estate license decades ago what is your message though when you speak what's the what are they well, what are they hiring you for so people are listening the, way of corporate listening sure um, they will not hire me because I just mentioned Donald Trump oh no okay so <laughs> that's know, what they always warn me by the way they go oh you get political you know why people don't talk about politics and religion because politicians and religious leaders don't want you to talk about politics well, and religion. And, well, the people that hire me don't want my political opinion to begin no, with. So, no, no. I, and I'm I'm not expert enough to give it to them. Nor that's not my platform. Uh, what somebody, is your platform? Well, somebody somebody will call, and I will personalize that keynote for them. So, if it's if it's a group of sales, uh, I pitch them on the uncertainty as something that you've got to embrace rather than be fear fearful of it. You and I know the uncertainty of the business. There's 185,000 members of the Screen Actors Guild. At any given moment, there's an 85% unemployment rate. Of the 15% working, 1% make 100 grand a year or more. Hmm. So how many times have you and I heard no, and yet we succeed? So there, there are many ways to communicate this ability to uh, embrace uncertainty, embrace the defeat. You, you know, successful world-class athletes may come in second, but they've improved their running time by a fraction of a second. So they're emboldened by the little wins. So mm. a message to salespeople would be along those lines of embrace uncertainty. Um, Go know, for that quarter second. No, yeah. yeah, all of that. If, if we stopped at the first no, we'd have no innovation. Yeah. So there's that. There are those that want a little more entertainment. So I put the stand up in. You um, do. Wow, look at you. Yeah, so it's a, it's a it's it's what is it that they need? And I will. I'll reverse engineer that. Right. Steve Ober once said to me, this is a producer of talk shows, he said, uh, throw the dart and then build the bullseye around it. Mm, right? So great. you support your... And how do we find you if we want to book you as a corporate speaker? Michaelberger.com. Michael Berger with a, like a hamburger. Like in and out. 
Like that's right. Yeah. Well, they don't know in and out most of the country. No, they don't. You know no, yeah, they don't. You've got to watch your references there, my friend. Well, I fi- I didn't know this went beyond the lot. <laughs> um, the second book that I wrote, if I you don't have, mind I me, I just was told you heard them in the other room that that we're in other countries. I did hear Pe- that. People are listening in other countries. Yeah. So folks from other countries, in and out is a burger joint, mm-hmm. and he is Michael Burger, B-U-R-G. Because I'm trying to grab that Managua market. Managua market. Hey, listen, you've yeah. been awesome. You've uh, been awesome. I that, would like to do that. That was again. an hour. At least. I should not have left my car running. We didn't even <laughs> touch on, there's so much more I, to do, right? I know. And you're like me. We want to have a third, fourth, and fifth episode. I don't mind going, yeah. Yeah, we want to do that. Well, let's do that. I've got things to run here. No, I, I don't mean now. I know. Well, let's do that. I, I, I am, here's the other thing you don't know about me. I'm a very guilty guy, and I feel guilty that you drove this oh. far, and I'm going, what can I give him? You already refused lunch. What can I give him? I can give you the promotion for maybe someone to hire you. Then I'll feel good. If you tell me someone hires you off of this podcast, without it, without oh, this, well, I feel good. I'll actually charge you. No, without this sounding like the a gas, Jerry Lewis telethon yeah. where guests come on and, and feign and, and become sycophants, I – we have not had this length of conversation ever. No. The yeah. the, which is the awesome. double segment you got on Mike and Maddie, which is because you were good, because normally at six minutes you got 12. Uh, you know, is, <laughs> I can't is, believe you remember that. The good stuff I remember. That's so funny. Um, this, was a, this is a big deal to, to when Corey, our mutual friend, said that yeah. you liked what I did. I, I asked her. I was taken back by that. I went more than that. Well, I was very did. effusive. Well, I, you were. It wasn't like what you did. I have admired you for years. I think that you're one of the most talented people that's ever existed on television. Well. And no, I'm serious. I mean, look, there aren't that many talented people that have existed on television that hosted talk shows. How many talk shows are you watching going, not talented, not talented, not talented? With you, I'm going really talented. And I had the honor of the experience of being a part of your talent, of which you bring me into your playground. We played on the swings. We played on the slides. And they gave us extra time to go on the merry-go-round. And that is the best for me. That's as good as it gets in the entertainment world when you're on television as if no one else is around and you and I are connecting. I don't even remember your partner to tell you the truth. Maddie was great. Maddie. No, she was. She, I do. I take it back. She was great. But you and I were connected. Your next show that I was on, I think it was with Christina Ferrari. Ferrari. Yeah, I remember that one too. I, I pronounced her name wrong too. I thought it was Ferrar. Ferrari, like the car. Okay. Anyway, the fact that you're we wonderful got a on chance that. to meet. I was looking forward to this, and obviously thrilled with it. And it, it meant a lot that somebody that you admire appear invites you. So for me, I would. I would make the drive again. Would you really? Okay, then that's a promise. That I mean, not right away, but I would make the drive <laughs> at some point. I was as thinking, long as I had other things to I'm do. I'm looking at my calendar for area. next week, okay? I, well, we'll, we'll look at our calendars. Do you golf, by the way? I golf a lot. I golf. I'm what? a tennis player, but I, I golf. Tennis is my sport. And Gowen and I golf all the time. Another guy I've admired for Bob years. Gowen. But mm. Bob Gowen might be moving, moving out back. here, and we can all golf together. Let's do that. And we'll maybe get Will Schreiner in the mix. I'm going to tell you one story about Bob Goen, then we really do have to go. Yep. Bob Goen. Do you ever have preface pre- that so they know who he is, right? He was the host of Entertainment Tonight. For like was, 10 years with Mary Hart. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, does the best Ed Sullivan you'll ever hear. Oh, I did not. I played poker with him once a month. I not know that. He's wickedly I've been friends funny. with him for years, and I did not know that. So Bob came to our house one day. And one of the other reputations, I have a lot of, I've, obviously, these are all being revealed, my little quirks and character flaws and things like that. One of them is. Makes you accessible. That People I'm, didn't think I, they could talk to Craig Shoemaker. I'm known for this in my house. 
I will eat anything because I'm too cheap to throw it away. Oh, maybe that's part of it. A little poor man's mentality. You know, I grew up poor, so I won't we'll throw like anything what? away. Oh, bad food. I'll take the mold oh, off. Oh, you'll take uh, I'll stuff take the that mold off and I'll say, best hey. Best sell by date doesn't mean anything oh, to you? I literally never even looked at the <laughs> best sell oh, by I, date. I back that up a couple of days and toss it. No. Oh, oh no, no. Never, no, no. ever, ever do I look at that. Forget oh, no. that. You'll, put, okay. you'll eat bread that had mold on it and then mold, scratch it? I, no. As a matter of fact, I, I justify and go, what's penicillin? It's mold. Well, that's wrong. Okay, it, don't tell me that it's wrong because I tell my body that it's okay, and I have an iron belly, and I've never suffered for this. Well, if you look at the medical research, okay, don't go Asperger, there with me. Don't go mold. There's a link. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So you and Bob are at the house, and you're so what? so. He comes to visit us, right? And and people think I'm the worst at this. So something happened. It was at my house. And he sees this meat, and the meat is definitely turning. <laughs> uh-huh. It's turned another color that probably doesn't even exist in the color spectrum. It's some sort of deli meat, maybe? Yes. Yeah. So he goes, oh, around my house, I just wash off. Bob <laughs> said that? Yeah. He says, I just wash it off. His wife, Marianne, Marianne, goes crazy. She goes, oh, there he goes again. She goes, you can't do that in front of people. I go, what are you kidding me? He's my hero. So here's Bob and I, Bob. we're chowing down this meat that we oh. just... And he literally goes to the sink and takes his hand oh, and just no, wipes no, off no. the goo no. that is, has accumulated on You don't on wipe there. off streptococci. You don't. He and I do. Okay. We probably have streptococci as we speak. <laughs> so Bob uh-huh. is part of our lexicon in our house. And you know what it is? What's that? We'll take a look at a piece of food. And if it's really, really bad, we call it BBG Beyond <laughs> Bob Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got it. Does he know this? Oh, of course. His wife just wrote an article about it. Oh, I'm calling him on the way he's home. He's part of the shoemaker home every day. As a matter of fact, I walked in here the other day. You can, uh, you know, uh, uh, watch watch this. Hey, Ricky, come here for a second. Watch what I did the other day. Okay. Uh, okay. Th- this is, this is, so obviously this is not staged. And Ricky is. To R- your Ricky's, listeners? she's already been a guest, by the way, ah. well before you. She, yeah. It was well, the Ricky so. and Craig show well Get before the Mike for and Maddie. So we're just trying Lay to get a, a, I'm just trying to tell him, you know, kind of one of my quirks. What did I do? I think it was yesterday or the day before I, I walked in and I said to you and Taylor, I go, where's the blank? You know, wh- wh- where is it? You know, cause I was planning on what on the table was, was what over the weekend for a few oh, days. The, Look at her roll her eyes. Yeah. The notepads. Not that. Oh, oh no. He's miming, uh, eating food. So where's the what, what food was there? And Taylor, I said, where's the? Oh God! He goes, where's the pizza? It's oh. Not, like, threw it away. It's been like six days. Oh oh. And and what did I say? He's like, it's still good. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> and what else did I say? I go. It's pretty cold in here. It's kind of like. Okay. You have no idea about bacteria or refrigeration because neither one of those is true. <laughs> Oh, well, I was not a, happy because I was or planning. Or a kidney, a, Michael. I even had how I was. Go, we don't have a. Um, which, by the way, I'm going to change this. A health soon, code. Okay. What were you going to? No, say? we don't have a microwave. So what I did was I put it on top of the toaster. You don't have a microwave in the office. No, and the toast, the toaster, he, the heat from the toaster heated the pizza. Uh-huh. I had that for four straight days. Yeah. So I just kept it in the box. You know. And I was driving. I'm going. I skipped breakfast at home. 
Look, I, I don't I've have access that to your accounts, but I'd say conservatively, he's worth $9 million and he doesn't have an oven, and he doesn't care about bacteria. There's <laughs> other issues you have besides Asperger's. I have, I have a lot of issues. Michael Berger, you've been awesome. <laughs> Greg Shoemaker. A little guest star from Ricky, Ricky Ramsey. You can hear her podcast. Uh, download us. Give us a little rating. Not a little rating. Give us a big old give rating. Give us what you it's, want. It's, we're not here, you know, we're for, not here to coax for them. approval. Yeah, exactly. That's, we, That's got a lie. <laughs> Some approval. It helps. A little. Michael, it's really been awesome. Uh, let's golf. Let's hang. Let's have you back on here. And hope, hopefully, folks, we helped you today in some way. You'll have to review the podcast and figure that out. Give us a little review. Always write me at Craig at CraigShoemaker.com. Pass the word on the podcast. The only way it's going to spread is through you. Like the bacteria on his pizza. Exactly. Like the streptococci. Laughterheels.org. Go give it a visit. Check it out. See how you can support. It's a nonprofit organization which offers grins, giggles, and guffaws, raises the awareness of the healing powers of laughter, working in aftercare facilities, hospitals, warriors, cancer patients, rehabs. Well, just about everybody needs laughter. We're here to spread it around. It is the best medicine, so just open up and say ha ha. This episode was brought to you by LaughterHeals.org. How was that for my announcery, advertising, promotion voice? LaughterHeals.org. Thank you.